center and coming in as Bloom. Milledike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are underway this hour. It is Monday, March 6th, and we welcome you to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Yeah, Wes Gilbertson from Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. Flames Talk coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. So as the Flames get set to take on the Dallas Stars Monday and then the Minnesota Wild Tuesday, a quick little back-to-back road trip, some brand-new morning skate forward lines for the Flames, which is what we're expecting to see at American Airlines Center in Dallas. And uh, that would uh, have three new lines for the Flames, including Lindholm to Foley now playing with Pelche on the left, Kadri Huberdeau now playing with Nick Ritchie on the left as he makes his Flames debut, and then Dylan Dubé moved to the middle with Milan Lucic on his left and Trevor Lewis on his right. That leaves the line of Backlund, Mangiapane, and Coleman together, which you can understand. That That's the one line that had they broken up, you would have been like, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. They've been your best. That has been, without question, their most consistent and highest-end trio for the better part of, I don't know, a month and a half now. It's been one of the better lines in the NHL for what they're asked to do and for the type of responsibility that they take in night in, night out. Like they, I know they lose against Toronto, but they did great work against Austin Matthews line. Like that was, that was a masterclass against the Matthews line at five on five at times. Yeah. Um, That line of course had to stay together, right? Could potentially, and, and, I think I'm agreeing with you that that I line. Like, I like that. I like that pause. Like ah, the line's been yeah, really good. Yeah. I, what I wonder is whether those guys can help you get some other guys going. Right. And so, especially in these next two games, going on the road, doing your best to get whatever matchups you can. I'm not, I'm not sure you split them up there, but, I, I do wonder. I think Blake Coleman and, and Michael Backlund have been your two best forwards of late. And I do wonder whether they'd give thought to moving those guys around short term, I think, to try to get some other guys going. And you've got lots of candidates. I do. I mean, I will say to that point, I did not mind Jonathan Huberdeau when he played with Michael Backlund. I thought that there was actually a pretty decent connection there. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted to go that direction, you could. Um, I just... I also wonder, not to interrupt yeah, go you, ahead. I also wonder with Nazem Kadri not being as engaged of late as I personally would like to see him. It's been a rough run for Kadri. It, it sure has. He, you know, as we were talking about or, or looking at the new lines today, I... I think we'll get into this in a few minutes, but everyone say, well, why take Dylan Dubé out of your top nine? And and I get that. The worst top nine forward of late for my money has been Nazem Kadri. Yep. You're not dropping him out of the top nine right away. 
But if you went strictly on who has struggled the most in a top nine role, it for me it's Kadri. And and so back to my previous point, I wonder with the way he's playing with his you know kind of pepper pot style. I wonder if Blake Coleman could could inject some life into that line as well. Well, uh, Daryl Sutter seems to agree with that assessment as he was asked about some some new lines and some changes. Uh, this was Daryl on Monday morning in Dallas. You got guys you're counting on just to produce some offense that aren't even that aren't even getting scoring chances, barely. And it's not so much scoring chances, it's ozone time and possession game. So, uh, you know, you look at Naz and Lindy's line have really struggled with that last two games so uh, you know they need to bump it up again is that kind of part of maybe making a couple of changes yeah for for sure it is I think that that uh, um, Jacobs played good wherever we put him right so it's up to you know quite honestly it's up to those veteran guys to take a step with their game that's you know that's that's their calling card. So do it. You know, you get we give them lots of opportunity and put them in situations too. But they got to do it. And that is beyond a shot across the bow. He basically said the same things on Saturday following the three nothing Minnesota loss. That's that's beyond a, a, a direct message at Lindholm, Kadri, Huberdo, Toffoli. Even I thought Toffoli looked really checked out. Checked out is maybe the wrong word. I think Toffoli looked really frustrated uh, against Minnesota on Saturday. That's, and had, that's, he's looking right at your top players. And had the game on his stick did. with 11 minutes to go, one nothing. A, a team that did not deserve to be tied could have been tied. Yep. But that's not all on Tyler Toffoli. As you just said, that that is a, a direct fire, right? The, the other night, Daryl Sutter said, we don't have a lot of top guns on our battleship. Well... It's not hard to figure out what battleship he was aiming at with that comment today. And you can understand why. I mean, you, you, you don't have a chance if your currently highest paid forward is playing the way Nazim Kadri is. And I think there is frustration. I think that there is... I, I think Kadri's sitting there saying, I came here thinking that there's, there, there was a chance to win, and I like the makeup of this team. What the hell is this? Um, I think he's a guy who has always played with his heart on his sleeve, and so when things do not go very well, I think that his frustration can show, and that's not even a criticism. I think it's what makes Kadri the, the, the player that he is and what's allowed Kadri to be the guy that he has for a decade in this league. And it's why I still think it was the right signing for this team. But, you know, that's something that his, he, he's looked like too frustrated a player of late. And we know that Huberdeau has had the season that he's had. And he just at times looks lost still. Uh, Lindholm does not look like the guy that could control a game at both ends of the ice on any given night. I know he lost his two line mates, but it's not even it's not even comparing this year's Lindholm to last year's Lindholm. It's comparing this Lindholm now to earlier season Lindholm. He's still got that in him, but he's looked very, very different of late. Like yeah. they're, just, they're, they're not getting it from their top forwards right now. And when you are a team that was already built like a sum of the parts and you got to be deep and the depth is what will propel this team to success. If you're not getting from the top of the depth, you're, you're dead. You don't have a chance. Back to, to Lindholm for a second. There were a lot of people last year, you know, we always chat with the visiting media when, 
when they come through Calgary or, or you know, if you happen to be in a, a road city. And, and they always wanted to know if Elias Lindholm was just sort of riding the coattails of Gaudreau and Kachuk. And, and it was a fair question. And the answer was always, no, it, this, is, this is a guy who's a really important driver in his own way for that line. And that message obviously got out because he finished second in Selkie Trophy voting. Well, there's been nights recently that Elias Lindholm has sort of been the, the spectator on that line with Dylan Dubé and Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. You need, hey, yeah, I get it. You lost your two line mates and it's been a transition. You need him to be the driver on that top line. Like we always say that whatever line Lindholm is centering is the top line. We can't, and, and we still do because we look at him as this team's number one center. And I think that he is their number one center based on ability, but he hasn't been. Right. Like Michael Backlund's been this team's number one center for a month and a half. And you know my affinity for backs. I, I think he is an outstanding hockey player, but a guy who is a 50-point guy, as good as he is defensively and as much of a driver as he is and as, as good work as he does against the best players in the NHL, you know, a 50-55 point ceiling, that's, that Not can't be your number one, one center. center, right? Yeah. And I, I love the guy. I think you win with players like Michael Backlund, but you still need to have... The strength of this team should have been down the middle, and it has not been for the last little bit. And that's on Kadri, and that's on Lindholm. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're, you know, we're in the first week of March now. We're five months into the season, and you know, for all the conversations we've had about how Jonathan Huberto has not seemed to find his fit in a Daryl Sutter system, has not seemed to uh, fully figure out how he can be effective in the style that this Flames team wants to play. We haven't said it a whole lot about Nazem Kadri, but it's absolutely fair. I, I don't think that this has been a... This seemed like a great fit, Nazem Kadri yeah. and Daryl Sutter. It, it seemed like he was going to be an ideal fit for so much of, of what Daryl Sutter demands and expects and you know, the, what appeals to him about a certain player. It seemed like Nazem Kadri was a perfect fit for that. It hasn't been the case so far. Well, and and I still think the key is Lindholm because when he's playing the way that he's capable of and he's playing like a Selkie Trophy 75, 80-point number one center, which he is capable of being, I believe, with or without Gaudreau and Kachuk on his line, well, then all of a sudden things slot. You know who you know who Nazem Kadri played? Everybody was like, well, Kadri, Kadri only played with good players last year, and this is not knocking the players he played with, but his line mates for most of the year en route to a Stanley Cup were Nachushkin and Burakovsky, and they made up a great second line. Yeah. And Lindholm is not McKinnon, but Nathan McKinnon is a number one center, and so when your number one center is playing the way that he's capable of, then all of a sudden, Kadri, uh, as kind of your quote-unquote two, can be that much more effective. Now, I think that you can make the case that Kadri's point total last year was a product of the team that he played for, but his effectiveness as a line driver, I still believe, is there. I, to me, this text comes in and says he's never been a line driver. I disagree. He has actually been statistically, analytically, one of the best line drivers in the NHL for the decade that he's played. You go back to his time in Toronto and you look at his time in Colorado. He has always driven his line. He has always been a two-way force. 
And he just has not been. And I think he needs to figure it out. And I think when Lindholm is on, it just trickles down the entire lineup. And good on Backland and that line for holding up their end of the bargain. But imagine that line playing the way they're playing and Lindholm and Kadri holding their end of their bargain up too. Yeah, because the one thing that Michael Backlund's line does fit the mold of a third line, like that's not a line that you would typically, the way that they've played, they do not look like a third line is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Except where the offensive numbers are concerned. They do produce like a third line. It, it always a good third line. Yes, but yeah. it always looks like there should be more there. There's a ton of opportunities. They they're producing like a third line. Well, that's good because they are your third line, but you need your first and second line to produce. You need Nazem Kadri especially to be a guy who sort of takes the team on his shoulders some nights that things aren't going well and and turns the momentum. We haven't seen that from him nearly enough. And and you could say the same about. Elias Lindholm, you know, he plays with he he plays with a competitive edge. He he impacts the game in so many ways. We just haven't seen it enough consistently in the stretch run of this season. I want to play this from Saturday's post game. This is assistant coach Kale McLean on our Flames Talk post game. Derek asked him, you know, what has what has made the backland line so effective and what can other lines do to kind of replicate that success. I thought Kale gave a really in-depth answer. This is the assistant coach of the Calgary Flames, Kale McLean, and and it's something that I don't think you see enough of on the prior lines, and, and I guess what you're looking to see more of if these new lines stay together for any period of time. The special ingredient is that they play close together. They are a working line. There's, you know, Backlund is a fantastic hockey player. They're all they're NHL hockey players, so don't get me wrong. But they're they're not a um, as a as a group. They're not a group of superstars. Right. They're a group of hardworking guys, and what they do is they they pursue the puck or they um, get into battles in in ways where they're all close together, and that takes a lot of work. Like you've got to you got to work hard to get three guys from one side of the ice to the other in the offensive zone when you're forechecking, or um, to come back and break up plays and then come out together. And I think that our um, other lines could really. Uh, take a cue from them in terms of how hard they work at getting three guys close together so that they don't have to make real fancy plays. They can make short plays and they can help each other in two-on-one situations or if someone disrupts a play, there's there's a second there to get it really quickly. Um, so that's an area where I think that and they do that really well. And the other thing that they do well is the puck goes toward the net. It generally does. And, and I think that um, it's not for lack of trying or it's not for lack of wanting to do right by the team. But sometimes um, our other lines don't give us enough pucks toward the net. That, again, goes back to my original point of making sure that it's hard for de- the uh, defense of the opposition to be able to reset because it's randomized because of the the rebounds and the shots and everything like that. I just thought that was a really good breakdown from... Cal McLean as to why the backland line's been so effective. And I think mm, on the other side, it's a pretty good example of maybe why some of the other lines yeah. have not been able, specifically the the two other top nine lines that have not been able to get the job done. Might want to include that clip with the electronic pad, 
packet that goes out with some of the uh, goalie info, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, because there, there are things in there that the gents on the first and second line could certainly uh, take note of. So what do we make? It's uh, Patton West, by the way. Flames Talk continues this hour on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. What do we make of, of Daryl says, Jacob's been good wherever we've put him. Been a, it's been quite the, uh, the, 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 the responses and the kind of narrative from the head coach on Jacob Pelche certainly changed since game <laughs> one post game. Yeah. But he's been very, very, um, he's been very, very positive, effusive. He's been really, really glowing about his praise on Jacob Pelche over the last number of weeks. And for good reason, Jacob has yeah. been a great story and, He's deserved his time with Huberto and Kadri. Now he gets bumped onto the line with Lindholm and Toffoli. What do we make of that? Because I'll say this, Pelche deserves to be wherever they put him in the lineup if it's high up. I don't, I don't think that he deserves a demotion. If we look at, the, I don't know if we look at this as a promotion or just a juggle, but it is interesting that you know he's a guy that they look at and Daryl used him by name, saying he's good wherever they put him. I, I wonder if this isn't an, uh, this isn't a, a, a move aimed at. Maybe trying to give a shot in the arm to Elias Lindholm. I, I think that's exactly what it is. And, and, and who would have thought that would have been the case when it came to Pelche while he was being healthy scratched there for all that time? Right. We're talking about a guy who's, what, 17 games into his NHL career. And, yep. and now you're putting him on what we consider the top line to get the other two guys going. But it's absolutely accurate that in the last we can change in this losing skid. He's been one of your best players and, and and not just in the skid. You can go back further than that. He's, he has been a guy that has been consistent in what you're getting out of him. There's more offense there from Jacob Pelche and we haven't seen it yet. I, I know that he would like to show it sooner than later. He, he, you know, he puts a lot on himself to, to produce especially playing with two guys that he consistently has referred to as superstars in Kadri and Huberto, but this, this is absolutely a move aimed to get more out of Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli, and that tells you a lot yeah. about what Jacob Pelche has brought to the table. I, um, I, I'm i interested to see how that plays itself And out. it wasn't like you couldn't split up that second line. No, agree. It was time. Uh, Dubé at center with Lucic and Lewis is the one that's, most interesting because of all the the juggles, I think he might be getting the short end here on this one because he's been good, been really good. He's been one of their best stories all year long. He's he's on pace to put up some really good numbers. Um, I think the conversation that we had a few weeks ago about you know extending him long term and that type of stuff, I still think it's valid. I, I don't, I don't think his ice time should be cut the way that his spot on the depth chart would suggest it would be in this game. I just, I don't, I think that he's been too good for him to get that type of, if you want to call it a demotion or move or whatever, he belongs clearly in this team's top nine. No question about it. He would be the guy that's, that's kind of getting shafted in this one. Yeah. And, and I would ask you this though, if you were adamant as Daryl Sutter, it seems was about getting Nick Ritchie into a top nine role tonight in his Flames debut. Who else could you take out of the top nine? Because, you know, if it was Jacob Pelche, we'd, we'd be sitting here with our hair on fire. 
because he, he's been a really strong performer who shouldn't be out of the top nine. I think same with Dylan Dubé. And so I, it just probably came down to a lack of options. I don't think you, you were taking a guy off that third line. We've seen Blake Coleman play in a fourth line role at some points this season. He's been really going for you of late. You're not doing that with him. And and then you've got a couple of your highest paid veterans who I don't think you're bumping onto the fourth line, at least just yet. And so I, I just think this came down to a lack of options. Yep. And I I'm honestly not surprised that Nick Ritchie gets the shot that he does. Yeah. But don't Size, be su- all that type of stuff. I, I think Daryl would like to see him succeed in that spot. Yeah, just don't be surprised if he's on the fourth line by the third period tonight either. Will not be surprised. In fact, I won't be surprised if at some point in this game or Tuesday's game in Minnesota that the lines are back to where they were. I would not surprise yeah. me at all. But you got to shuffle the deck chairs around a little something. bit today, right? That was that was hot garbage on Saturday <laughs> night. Well done. And so, you know, does Dylan Dubé, who is on the brink of a career high in goals at the NHL level deserve to be a fourth liner tonight? No, but somebody had to fall out and he's going to be back in the top nine sooner than later, maybe sooner than tomorrow's show. And Walker Dewar comes out. And I would suggest that if you are a flames fan, hoping to see a youth infusion, which is how we will, uh, End off this conversation before we bring in Calgary Wranglers head coach Mitch Love for his weekly chat. The playoff bound Calgary Wranglers. There's no doubt about that. So Dewar does not play. He's been a... I did not love him against either Toronto or... I didn't... Who did you like against Minnesota? Um, so I, the last two Nobody. games... That's the correct answer. Um, <laughs> Markstrom played well. Yeah. Sorry. Jacob's Sorry, been good Jacob. the, last, yeah. the last three outings. But... So Dewar comes out. I think he is by and large done the job that he's being asked, but there is a rather vocal hue and cry among many Flames fans about youth movement, bringing in younger players and allowing those guys, whether it's Matthew Phillips or, you know, Nick DeSimone, Jeremy Poirier, you can na- name it. Emilio Pedersen. There's lots of Dustin Wolf, Dustin, w- Dustin Wolf there. Absolutely. A lot of talk about time to go young on this team. And I don't think it's that time yet, but I do think at some point it's a conversation that's very, very valid to be had. Like if there's still seven points out in a week, at some point, using that term intellectually honest, I wonder if you're Brad True Living, you say, okay, we're going to start doing some things and, and maybe we shut down a player here and bring in a young player there. And I know that there's a lot of skepticism about whether or not Daryl would be playing these players. Well, you can kind of force his hand if you're shutting players down, all that type of stuff. If you really want to go down that road, I just wonder if it's something that we'll be having more conversations about here in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, we're definitely having the conversations. I, I just, I think there is a strong argument to be made for leaving some of these impact AHLers in the AHL in what is an important situation. And, and that that's not necessarily just for the sake of the Calgary Wranglers, but it's the experience that you're going to get in these games. So they, the Calgary Wranglers are, are currently atop the Pacific Division, but they're only one point 
up on Coachella Valley, who has four games in hand. Yeah. So the Wranglers are going to need to continue to pile up wins as they mostly have this season to get top spot in their division, which comes with a bye, which really helps you if you want to be a team that goes on a long Calder Cup playoff. And so I think, yeah, would I love to see Connor Zary for a couple of games at the NHL level? Yes, absolutely, I would. Do I think the way that he scored, you could make a case for Emilio Pedersen to get a cup of coffee? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it is potentially more valuable for them to be a part of what's happening with the Wranglers mm-hmm. in terms of over an extended stretch than I think it is at this level. You know, and, and I think I put Wolf in that same category. Like sure. if they're if they're out of it or eliminated with five, four, three games remaining, whatever, who knows what it'll end up being if they get eliminated. And and look, it's not there's still plenty of mathematical life left. The the difficulty of tracking down teams and the fact that this team has not won more than three in a row all season is with 19 games to go. What, what really draws the skepticism, but I think Dustin Wolf in the final stretch of the season, if it's pretty clear they're out of it, getting him some work as a reward, as opposed to we're putting the hopes of our season on you, right? That, that would be really cool as well. But the one guy that I think there's some really valid reasoning to making sure he gets some bonafide NHL time but before the end of the season is Matthew Phillips. I just, he played two, he barely played, and I'm not saying he's going to be Jacob Pelche, but look what Pelche's doing. And Pelche's earned the opportunity to be doing what he's doing. Yeah. But kind of Matthew Phillips has at least earned the opportunity to be given that shot. And he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He'll be group six, which means the RFA um, RFA designation he's got on cap friendly means nothing. He will be able to sign wherever he wants on July 1st. And I'll tell you this much, if he only plays two games all year long, I would bet good money that he's looking elsewhere. As much as he's a Calgary kid and as much as playing in your hometown with a good head coach and a good AHL team is awesome, the guy wants an opportunity to actually play in the NHL. At the very least... I think you owe it to yourself as an organization. This guy is about to score 30 in the American League. You owe it to yourself as an organization to give him a meaningful shot in the NHL. And one game in front of zero fans in game 56 of a meaningless season, uh, that 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 doesn't count. And the 14 combined minutes he's played a little earlier this year doesn't count either. I think a meaningful opportunity to get some minutes in a top nine role, you gotta at least see what you got. I think you're doing a disservice if you don't. Yeah, and not only especially now, not only a disservice to Matthew Phillips who has earned the opportunity, but a disservice to your organization as you try to decide whether you're gonna do your best to keep him. And I'm sure the grass is gonna look greener a lot of places that he's gonna chase opportunity as these guys so often do, and as you would never fault them for doing. Guys who haven't got an opportunity to play meaningful minutes at the NHL level typically want to see if they if there's another route to the top in another organization. But absolutely, Matthew Phillips has earned that look, and I think the Calgary Flames need to find out what they're about to let slip away. Yep. And, and I just want to add, because I, I didn't say it earlier, we were talking about Walker Dewar. I think tonight... 
is just Daryl Sutter telling Walker Dewar, you have not played enough games in this league for your energy level to slip. You're an energy forward and you haven't played enough games to have a game where you don't have that energy and stay in. Now, that's not me saying that Walker Dewar was their worst forward the other night because he absolutely wasn't. That's not me saying Milan Lucic should get a free pass, but I think that is how Daryl Sutter's operating in this case. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you as to, but I can also understand if you're a fan, you're like, WTF? What? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, is this hour of Flames Talk continues. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey on this Monday edition of the program for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you on this Monday edition of Flamestock. It's Monday which means we say hello to the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Mitch Love, joins us right now. Uh, Mitch, a pleasure as always, my friend. How are we doing today? I'm good, Pat. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, man. Hey, no problem. Good to speak to you as always. And uh, uh, coming off a, a pretty decent week, 3-1 win over Coachella Valley, then a 3-1 loss to Colorado in Colorado, and uh, wrapped up Saturday with a 6-5 comeback shootout win over the Eagles. Just uh how would you uh, sum up the last week since we last spoke to you, Coach? Well, it's definitely been a busy one. Um, you know, we uh, were well-traveled, you know, when we went from uh, Vegas up to uh, Coachella and then over to Colorado and, uh, you know, played in some, some hostile environments. And, uh, you know, I was, I was pleased with our effort to really, you know, especially the last three games, um, you know, we found a way to, pulling out in Coachella against a very good team and uh you know and then really you know in Colorado played two good games uh, didn't get the result we wanted to the you know the first night but uh you know I, I thought the effort was there and, and same thing on on Saturday night we just didn't go away um it was a back and forth uh affair and you know man if you're a fan of that game uh you probably got your money's worth it was uh had a little bit of everything so it was it was a big win for us and now we're, uh, you know, back home here against uh, Colorado again. Well, and, and you know, you, you lose the night before in Loveland and, and you find yourself down 5-3 late in the third period and then you get the response that you did with the two quick goals and, and find a way to win it in a shootout. But the, the, the way your group responded after losing the lead and then falling down not by one but by two in the third period on Saturday, how how'd you like the way your group responded? What allowed them to respond the way they did? Well, we felt like we had some really good looks throughout the hockey game. It just, you know, um, for whatever reason, wasn't finding the back of the net. And, 
you know, um, in Colorado, you know, you give them a lot of credit. They they do a heck of a job defensively. They're one of the better defensive teams in the league. They get in shooting lanes and, and don't give you much. And, you know, we just kind of kept going. Um, there was a lot of belief on the bench in between periods that we were playing, a you know, a good hockey game and, and that, you know, it uh, was going to be last shot wins, uh, basically, which it turned out to be. So, we, you know, it was a good character win. Uh, we we really needed it. Um, you know, we had some guys in and out of our lineup. We had some East Coast League call-ups that provided us some good minutes uh, throughout the weekend, uh, you know, to help us out. And, and and you need that this time of year with recalls and injuries. Uh, it's a long hockey season, and, and uh, I was proud of our guys' effort. I mean, it was, you know, we, we really needed the win. Uh, it's been hard to come by here over the last couple, three weeks, and, and uh, hopefully that gives us a little confidence coming here on home ice for a couple of games. Can't imagine you were uh, overly surprised as to the guy who uh, sent you to extra time on Saturday. Hey, another another big goal for Matthew Phillips. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? I, this guy's, you know, we've talked time and time again. He, he seems to come up big in, in big moments. Um, you know, I don't know if he was overly fond of me pulling the goalie so early. Uh, he, he expressed that, and we had a good chuckle when he scored to tie it up. Uh, he, I, I kind of just asked him if he wanted me to put the goalie back in at all, at all sarcastically. Awesome. And, uh, but that's the gamer he is. That's the competitor he is. He's a smart kid. He, he, he's got a feel for things, and, uh, you know, maybe it was a little early, and, you know, didn't backfire on us this time. And, uh, you know, he got a big goal and, and gave us an opportunity in overtime in the shootout, obviously. Mitch, uh, trade deadline in the NHL affected your group as well. Uh, the deal with Toronto that the Flames made, where Redeem Zahorna joins the Leafs organization, and uh, Dryden Hunt comes in and joins your group. Just overall, I, I, I'm curious as to you know what that meant for your group and and what your reaction was when when you saw that go down. Well, I think as an athlete and even as a coach during this time uh, with the trade deadline, you know. Uh, approaching you know it's it's in the back of your mind there's a potential chance of movement and and uh you know obviously redeem was he was a good soldier for us here i mean he you know he came in early in the year pick up on waivers from pittsburgh and and you know uh, had a cup of coffee with us then with the flames and then came back to us and and was a good player and uh he helped us find wins uh you know but as the business goes uh change happens and and you know we feel like you know, as a, as a team here and, and as an organization, we, we got a real quality individual and in, in Dryden Hunt as a player and a human being. And, uh, you know, he had a whirlwind 24 hours there with the trade. Yeah. Getting from Hershey, Pennsylvania to, to Colorado to play in that game and then come back with us yesterday. And, you know, there's a lot going on in his mind. Um, I thought he really fit in with our group. I and mean, he's a familiar with a few guys uh, just from, you know, skating here locally in the off season and, and playing junior against some guys. Um, and so, yeah, he, it's a great fit. I, I think he's going to be a, a welcome addition to our group here. Um, you know, I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to get settled here. And uh, uh, he doesn't have much time because we're going right back on the road here in a couple of days after these Colorado. Yeah. So uh, we're excited to have him. He's, he's a quality human being and, uh, you know, he's a competitor. You can see that even in just the one game sample size that, you know, he's here to push for, for opportunities at the next level again and, and, and help us here while he's with the Wranglers. 
had a goal and an assist in the debut. You mentioned because we we talked to him on Friday, uh, just minutes after the trade, and he was like, "Holy, I've got." I'm in Hershey now. I got woken up from my nap, and now, okay, Hershey, got to somehow make my way into Denver, then get to Loveland. You're right. That was a rather arduous travel day for him. He comes in, gold on assist, uh, gets popped right on your top line in night one. What did you uh, What did you make of, of Dryden Hunt's debut? Well, I mean, you get a couple points, and, you, you know, you score a big goal in the third period to kind of get us going there, and, and uh, you know, that's that's – you can't really ask for much more than that. I mean, I think obviously he's playing off adrenaline. Uh, we try not to bombard him with too much in terms of uh, our systematic play, give him a bit of a blueprint uh, headed into the hockey game. And, you know, I think it'll take him some time. But, uh, you know, we feel like, you know, where we slotted to him with Ben Jones and, and Matthew Phillips was the right spot. He's a guy who can put the puck in the net. You know, he's got another guy on his right side there. And, and, and obviously Jones that you know, uh, have the ability to find him in open ice and, and give him the puck. And, uh, you know, it's going to be up to him to put it in the back of the net for us. So, you know, we like that that trio there and uh, it's something we feel like we'll, we'll continue on here for a little bit. He's Mitch Love. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, number one affiliate of the Calgary Flames, joins us weekly here on Flames Talk. Wes? Mitch, those of us uh, reporters who hang out at the Saddledome every day and, and chat with Daryl Sutter, Something that struck me and I know struck a lot of people was in the lead up to the trade deadline at the NHL level. We heard Daryl say on on back-to-back days, hey, don't forget the kids that we have in the AHL. We have some guys there who are knocking on the door. He pointed to what he's seen uh, out of Jacob Pelche and, and Walker Dewar and said, there's more there. I'm just, I'm wondering what that sort of comment from the Flames coach might mean to your group. Well, I think it's probably, again, like just to go back to our earlier, you know, question just about the trade deadline is, you know, at the end of the day, we, we know as an organization and, and we know in particular here in Calgary with the Wranglers is, you know, the Flames are, are you know, were, were they buyers, were they sellers, what what was going to happen? And, and it affects a young athlete's mind. You know, or am I going to be part of a trade? Am I not? Am I, you know, what, what's it look like here in a few days? Um, I, I think, you know, for Daryl to come out and make comments like that, uh, you know, probably, you know, puts to rest a little bit of some of the guys' minds that, you know, what we're doing here is, is the right thing in terms of their progression and, you know, um, continuing to grow as young players for ultimately the chance to play in the NHL with, with the Flames. Um, you know, again, it, you know, like we've got some guys here that are having good hockey seasons for us that are still young, and you know they're they're in key situations. Uh, you know, on both special teams, five on five, key moments of hockey games, and that's what this level's all about: is to grow through those those moments, and and then ultimately, as a team, we want to be competitive because part of the progression and development for this organization is winning, and and, and what's that look like, and how hard is that to do? Um, we're a team that's pushing for the playoffs, no different than the Flames. And and that's a big component for these young players uh, that ultimately want to go play for Daryl and his stuff. Let me ask you about one young guy who I, I've been wondering about lately and maybe not the name that's going to jump out for everybody, but I, I know that you've had defenseman Ilya Sloviev playing in, in sort of an increased role. It seems like he's been piling up shots. I, I know he had an overtime winner not too long ago. Can I Can I just ask you what you've seen out of him and maybe what some of his strengths as a defenseman are? 
Well, I think if you go back 55 games ago or 56 games ago, I think there was a bit of a, you know, second year American League sophomore slump start, if you want to call it that. You know, I think we had a few guys in that in that boat that maybe thought it was going to be easy. Um, this league isn't easy. Uh, pro hockey isn't easy. And, and I think it took him some time to settle into getting back to what his identity is as a player, which is a, you know, a, a good first pass out of his end of the ice. He, he can shoot the puck. Um, you know, he's hard to play against. Uh, he does little things in the hockey game that, that, you know, you want almost more guys to do block shots at, at big moments. He's good on our penalty kill, you know, and I, and I think, you know, we've seen that trust level and that growth in his game throughout the year to, for him to earn more minutes and play on our top pair. And, you know, it, it, it you know, Gilbert goes up and, you know, uh, now we, we kind of need another guy to kind of step into that role. And, and they're very similar, similar to those two players. And so I think that's been the biggest thing. This guy, you know, puts it on the line each and every night. Um, and, and his teammates love him. And, and I think that's been, been real key and, and he he senses that uh he comes to the rink with the right attitude each day to get better and i've seen a lot of growth in his game here uh this year he, and even if he went back to last year i've seen a ton of growth uh, as a young player just one more for me and i might be a little bit premature with this question but as you enter the closing stretch of, of the ahl schedule i know your group has 16 to go how how much emphasis do you put on the value of top spot in the division because it comes with that first round buy. Well, having go through, gone through it last year, sorry, like it, it was pretty key for us. I mean, it, you know, the, the long season, um, especially here with a little more increased travel uh, based on our schedule, I, I think, you know, finishing first and getting that week long buy um, would be key for a team to, to allow some guys you know, some rest, um, you know, uh, we, we feel like we're, we're in the hunt here. We're in the mix. I mean, again, the team below us has got games in hand. There's teams below them that we play a lot here down the stretch that, you know, those are huge four point games. So we know there's a lot of work to do, but our guys understand that we're, we're in the fight. We want to just be in the fight. And then we want to try to continue to, to stay in the fight. And that's, that's big, um, you know, and, and, but at the end of the day, it's no different than I've always said. And, and since I got hired here, I'm a day-to-day guy. Like, you know, we had a good recovery day after a travel day yesterday, and we'll get, you know, a full day or full team practice tomorrow before we play. And, you know, we'll, we need to make some adjustments to our game to, to try to beat a good Colorado team. So that's what we're focused on. But, of course, we, we understand the back of our minds. We're, we're in the fight, and we want to stay there. And that's up to us as a, as a team and, and individuals to continue to grow. Uh, Mitch Love's with us, head coach of the Wranglers. Last uh, last question for you, Mitch, and and you know it's kind of you, you come back for two and you play kind of the the second half of this four game set against Colorado in your building, two with the Eagles, and then into Ontario this weekend on the road for a pair. Uh, just set us up for the week ahead for your group and uh, another busy week for the Wranglers. Yeah, it's. Um... I mean, how we kind of approach it, this is game three uh, of the series here with Colorado. We're, we're, we're quite familiar with them over the last couple of weeks, having, you know, them been here a, a few weeks ago and and then go, just being down there. So no no secrets there. They're a team that's really hard to play against. Um, 
they they got some real good players on the other side that that can make you pay if you're if you're not sharp and so we we know these are two big hockey games at home before we go on the road for four um and then you know Ontario always plays us tough we have a little bit of a a rivalry there with them uh over the last couple years and they're playing some good hockey uh over the last month and so we know we got a busy stretch here and and uh you know I hope our guys are you know, mentally recharged, physically recharged here from a couple days off the ice and and ready to go starting tomorrow night. Great stuff as always, Mitch. Appreciate the time. Always good to catch up with you. Good luck this weekend. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mitch Love, he's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, number one affiliate of the Calgary Flames. Two games this week at the Scotiabank Saddledome, both against the Colorado Eagles, then back on the road for four I'm guessing they're going to come home because they play on the weekend then don't play all of next week and then are back on. So my guess is, I did not check, but uh, I believe they're going to come home between that as opposed to uh, staying south of the border. But still, two chances this week to watch the Wranglers at the Dome, both games against the Colorado Eagles. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. I like that part about Matthew Phillips chirping at him. Why are you pulling the goalie That's so That's great, early? isn't it? <laughs> awesome. You want me to put the you want me to put the goalie back in next time? <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Uh, and of course, Matthew Phillips would be the guy to score the the game tying goal on Saturday. Hey, eh? Stunner! That is one heck of a season he's having in the American League. We've already talked about Matthew this hour. We don't need to. Uh, we don't need to rehash that. He's uh, Wes Gilbertson on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor and Cam have been our producers this hour, and that'll wrap us up this hour on the Sports Drive. <laughs> Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.